the Chinese characters for crisis, which is what we're in, is danger and opportunity joined together. Welcome to Sauce Talk. This is Billy Hansen. So I'm trying to put out some content that might be useful during this strange and difficult time that we're approaching. And the person who first came to mind as someone who I could talk to about the times we're facing is Barry Gillespie. Barry is my primary meditation teacher out of Boulder, Colorado. Barry has been practicing and studying meditation for about 40 years now. And he's sat many extended silent meditation retreats. And he studied with senior teachers at Spirit Rock in California and the Insight Meditation Society in Massachusetts. And now Barry teaches out of his home in Boulder and at various retreat centers. I've sat many day-long silent retreats at Barry's house in Boulder, which are excellent. And last year I sat a four-day silent meditation retreat with Barry in the beautiful mountains of Colorado. And I'm actually signed up to do another one uh, this coming May, which may or may not be canceled. I hope it's not canceled because I'm looking forward to it. But Barry is just a tremendous teacher and he really walks the walk. He's a gracious, kind, and generous man. And I think his vibes will come through here on the podcast today. So this episode is focused on the current moment and specifically those of us who are in self-quarantine and are planning to socially distance for the time being. So Barry gives us a Buddhist view of social distancing and the various mental challenges that might arise during this process, specifically the three poisons, greed, hatred, and delusion. We talk about how mindfulness can be such a useful tool as a way to respond to our current moment. We talk about viewing self-quarantine as an opportunity rather than just a burden. We talk about the power of metta or loving kindness practice during this time. We speak about addiction and drugs and TV in moderation right now. And then Barry gives his advice for those who are looking to begin a meditation practice during this time. He speaks about various resources and books and how he would advise someone if they were about to begin a practice. So I hope this conversation is useful during this difficult time that we are approaching. Uh, After speaking with Barry, I felt immediately better about all of it and motivated to handle the situation with more grace and skill. So without further ado, here is Barry Gillespie. I'm here with Barry Gillespie. Barry, thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Okay, so um, I'm going to properly introduce you in the intro to this podcast. So I figured we could just jump right into um, what I want to ask you today. I want to make this conversation about the current moment that we are facing. And I'll set up the first question here by just pointing out that this is a little bit of a um, unique problem that we're all facing and that for many of us, those of us who aren't nurses or scientists, the, the best thing that we can do for ourselves and others is to socially distance. And, um, and that can be a difficult thing for many of us as we're dealing with the stress and anxieties of the changing and difficult times. 
we have to isolate ourselves from others and we have a lot of time with our minds. So I'm wondering if um, you have any thoughts on social distancing and if you have any thoughts on how we can um, approach this problem skillfully. Sure. So I'm basically, I want, what I would like to talk about is all that, as you mentioned, that the, the turmoil in our minds and how um, we can skillfully work with that. And the first step to skillfully working with it would be to have some sort of understanding of what's actually happening. Mm. Um, and I, I want to approach that from a very traditional Buddhist point of view uh, called the three poisons, um, greed, hatred, and delusion. Mm. And these are things that happen all the time to us. So I, I want to stress that though, though they sound, well, it sounds pretty bad, you know, <laughs> but this is just like being human. I mean, as human beings, we react in these ways to things all the time. And especially when we are confronted with something more difficult, something new, something new and difficult, as social distancing certainly is um, for most of us, um, what a surprise if we're reacting in these ways. So don't in any sense think uh, that what I'm talking about means if you're reacting this way that you're bad mm. or incorrect or anything. You're just a human being reacting. <laughs> it's, but what I'm going to talk about is how we can be aware that we're reacting in these ways and then how we can skillfully shift so we don't react these ways. So the, the, the first of these three is greed. And greed is um, most often manifesting as denial, as in, I, I don't believe that I need to social distance or this social distancing stuff isn't for me, or I don't believe that it's even necessary. Or, or, and, and, and people get caught in this in a variety of ways. I mean, if you just have to see the news, you know, like these giant church services that just went on in Louisiana with a thousand people, well, hardly mm. social distancing, right? Mm. Or, 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 like, I mean, just one example I read about that surprised me. You know, I was just reading an article about how the hookup um, apps are still quite busy. <laughs> <laughs> Not a great form of social distancing. <laughs> so, but why is it, why do we deny? Why, why is this denial arising in the first place? And, the first, mostly it's that like, I don't want to change. This is like too hard. I don't want to have to change my life. Um, mm -hmm. And that's acting out of greed. That's like, I, I want to keep everything the way it is because it feels good for me to have it this way. And I don't like this social distancing stuff. That's a greedy reaction. Mm. And, and it's just wanting what you want above what everybody else should have. Right. Um, you're more important. I'm more important than anybody else in my world, and I should get whatever I want. Uh, mm. And this is partly just cultural, and partly it's um, also things like um, on a more a deeper level. Sometimes it's like I I got to keep going out there because that's how I make my living. Because for, for a lot of people, they don't have any choice. Yeah, if they don't go out there and and interact with people there they don't have any income and then they're not going to make their rent and then they're not going to be able to pay for the food and take care of their kids so i understand all that too yeah but it's like 
we have to sort of accept the fact that, gee, that government's actually going to do something about this, it sounds like it anyway, to help support people who are not getting the income they usually have and sort of be able to step back a little bit. Mm. And, and so greed is the first of these things that arises. And the other thing that the second of these is hate, hatred, aversion, anger, all of these are all forms of the, the second of the poisons. And um, it's like we're angry. People get angry, like, I, I, I want to go out to a movie. You know, I want to go to a restaurant and have a nice meal. I want to, you know, all those, and, and this creates anger. It makes people upset. And once again, that's perfectly normal. Um, but it also, uh, by act, trying to act out on those issues, though it's pretty hard in Colorado now to act out on those issues because all the restaurants are closed and the gyms are closed and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's still... It's like the the anger is still there. You know, we feel it. And it's like trying to act skillfully from a place of anger doesn't work very well. I mean, anger can be useful at the beginning because it might spur us to act. Yeah. You know? But if we start, if we get caught up in that anger, we keep acting out from that place of anger, then that's when we create trouble for ourselves and others. There's a, a classic um, Buddhist teaching. This is from the Dhammapada. And this is at the very beginning. The Dhammapada is a collection of sort of poetic sayings of the Buddha. Mm. Uh, and this is the very beginning of the Dhammapada, the first two verses, essentially. <clears throat> and um, there's a little bit of Buddhist language here, but uh, it's quite clear what he's what the Buddha is trying to say here. Phenomena are preceded by the heart, ruled by the heart, made of the heart. If you speak or act with a corrupted heart, your suffering follows you as the wheel of the cart, the track of the ox that pulls it. Phenomena are preceded by the heart, ruled by the heart, made of the heart. If you speak or act with a calm, bright heart, then happiness follows you like a shadow that never leaves. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's quite, what he's saying is obviously quite clear. He's just saying, if you act from a place of anger, then it's going to just make you more unhappy. And so we have to, that's why they call these, this that anger a poison. And, and it might not even be anger, because often anger rises out of a deeper level of fear. Yeah. You know, when people are afraid, then they start feeling angry, because they don't like being afraid. And, and, and the natural sort of outcome of fear is to then act out, to express anger about whatever, you know, and, and maybe you're directing anger towards, you know, as, as you see in the media, people blaming people from China, or people blaming other organizations or people blaming the government or people blaming this or people blaming that yeah that's that just causes stirs up as we can see it causes us more problems for everyone including yourself yeah okay the third the third of the um things here third the third of the poisons is delusion and the first thing about delusion we have to realize is that it's very difficult to see 
because often when we're caught in delusion, we're so deluded we can't see that we're deluded. It's a one a very circular problem in some ways. Um, so it's just, and and here the delusion is. There's two forms I see going on in reaction to social distancing. One is, oh well, I won't get sick. Yeah. I'm I'm not the one. I'm healthy, I'm young, I'm vigorous, I'm like, you know, I'm really good shape, I've got a really great immune system, I'm not going to get sick. Yeah. That's delusion. I mean, because this is, the, the virus doesn't care. I mean, you might get a, a, you might not get as sick as some other people, but as soon as you get that virus, then you're going to be a, become a source of that virus for other people. Yeah. So it's delusion to believe you're not going to get it. The other side of delusion is, this sense of um, resignation of like, Ugh, I give up, you know, there's nothing I can do. It's already over. It's too big for me. Um, I can't do anything about it. And, and, and that arises out of this sense that somehow we are separate and insignificant. Mm. And um, the Buddhist teachings is, are, are really clear about this. Um, we're not separate at all. We're all part of a whole. Yeah. We're all part of this this greater thing than our separate little identities. Um, and no matter, even if we do the simplest little thing, like choosing to social distance, that's a big contribution to the solving this problem. You know, I mean, certainly everything you read every day from coming from all the sources like the CDC and the National Institute of Health, states are so clear about this, how just consciously choosing to act this way, which doesn't seem like a big thing. In fact, it seems like a bit of a pain, but it's not, <laughs> it's actually a huge thing just yeah. to choose to do this. And so, and that's, in a sense, expressing the understanding that you're part of this greater thing, that you're not separate, that you're not insignificant, you're actually really important. That mm -hmm. you choose to act this way is really an important and skillful thing to do. And so those are the, the, three, the three poisons and how often I think people react to or are reacting to um, this problem, this thing of social distancing, I shouldn't even call it a problem. It's just, it's a, it's a fact, it's something we need to do. You know, we either um, get caught in greed. I don't want this to happen because I want my life to stay the same. We get ca caught up in anger and fear, or we get, become deluded and believe, well, ain't going to happen to me. You know, I can, you know, there was the, just here, right here in Boulder, there was a big party last weekend. This was like a, so six, seven days ago. Hmm. Uh, St. Patrick's Day party, and a couple hundred people showed up. And of course, one of the people that showed, persons who showed up, then tested positive. Yeah. And so, how many other people at that party are now testing positive? Yeah. Or uh, it's like, duh! How can you not see this? It's like, <laughs> but. but <laughs> But that's what happens, you know. When people, I don't. I want to go. I need to party. I want. It's how I feel good. I feel good when I'm partying. So, um, so there's the greed and then there's the delusion. Well, I'm young and fit. I'm not going to get got this anyway. Well, there you go. So, <clears throat> that that's um, the Buddhist view of how we're reacting to these things. Yeah. And it's really important that I repeat that this is all perfectly normal and human it isn't like in any way i'm saying you 
you're bad, you're wrong, you shouldn't, you know, I'm not, there's no wagging finger here. Yeah. This is, we need to be aware that this is how we're reacting. Yeah, well, that's really, really great. And um, I definitely have experienced ebbs and flows of all of those states of mind since sure. I, yes, since, <laughs> since um, it, it became clear to me that social distancing was my role in this. But I love what you said about um, that the feeling, because I've, I've, I've gone through a lot of that feeling of helplessness and kind of despair of, well, I can't do anything. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a nurse. All I can do is sit here in my apartment. But reframing that as, well, that is my duty. And a lot of people are in my similar situation where what we can do for the benefit of ourselves and others is to social distance and taking that seriously and doing it skillfully is what we can do. So let's I want to point out what you're doing right now Mm. is also very useful and skillful. Mm. Well, thank Yeah. Thanks for saying that. I'm hoping that this conversation can help. So let's acknowledge that it's not wrong or bad that many of us are experiencing these three poisons, but how should we go about addressing them and angling our mind towards more skillful, a more skillful response? Ah, good question. And, and of course, there's a good Buddhist answer to the question. <laughs> and, and that really um, is the purpose of mindfulness practice. Hmm. This is, I mean, it's, if we can be mindful especially when we get caught up in one of these emotional storms, if we can really sort of tune into what's going on in the mind and be mindful of it, be able to say, ah, that's that that greed stuff that I was reading about or that guy was talking about or however you want to look at it. Mm. And that's like the first step, just being mindful enough to see, ah, that one of the three poisons or all three of them at once sometimes <laughs> have arisen right now. And that's why I'm so unhappy right now and why I'm sort of caught in this emotional whirlpool. Mm. So mindfulness is the key. I mean, it's just like it allows us to see that this is happening, that our mind is caught and we're whirling. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the way to do that is to be very uh, as much as we can grounded in our bodies Uh, Mm. you know the teachings on mindfulness all start with mindfulness of body and often the first sign we have that there's like turmoil going on in the mind because we're so caught in it we don't see it you know that, that the problem with delusion is we don't see how deluded we are but often we'll notice a physical sensation you know, we're, we're sort of really agitated or we're feeling, you know, it's a really, really tense tenseness in the body. Our neck and shoulders are tighter. Our gut feels, you know, there's something that goes, hey, there's something going on here. And if we so if we stay grounded in the body and tuned into the what's going on in the body, that'll often help us see more clearly, be more mindful of what's arising at the level of mind. Hmm. Because the body and the mind are like very tightly linked together. I mean, this, what a surprise! No one, everybody knows this. <laughs> um, but we we forget that, and 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 if we, we get caught up in our head and we're whirling around in our head, sometimes the most skillful first step is just to simply tune into the body and go, ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Because there's there's patterns of physicalness 
that we feel like for instance if you're caught in anger and fear often there's a lot of heat in the body you feel like really hot yeah uh, and so you know that it's skillful to stay connected to the body so that you can keep connected to what's actually arising moment to moment in the mind which is what mindfulness allows us to do mm-hmm. the second step however and this is the often the hard one is you have to be able to once you see yeah that's arisen and, and we've already talked about this somewhat is to be able to say and that's okay mm-hmm. it's like not to judge yourself not to think oh there's something wrong with me i'm not a good person i'm what you know? I can't do this. It's oh, you know, blah blah blah. You know, we we find a thousand ways to beat ourselves up mm. because not being good, uh, proper citizen or a holy person or whatever you know view we want to take. <laughs> and and that just if you can't, you have to be able to say that. That's okay. It's like this is just here. I am being a human, and now I've seen this arising. And now I can consciously choose not to be so caught up in these things and, and direct my mind in other ways. You know, I can uh, direct my mind through, you know, practices of practicing loving kindness and compassion, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, compassion, I think, is really key to what's it's going on right now because, you know, I, I look at myself and I have this nice house and I'm... I'm healthy and I'm doing fine. I'm, you know, living my life. I mean, it's different. I'm still doing some work and I'm working in my shop and, you know, doing stuff. And so my life is pretty good, really. I mean, it's like pain, but it's it's pretty good. Yeah. And, and I think, boy, look at all those people out there who it isn't like that at all, you know, who are actually have the virus or are in a situation where they're really prone to catching the virus or they have um, friends, relatives, loved ones who are very prone to getting really sick if they get the virus. And and all that creates, opens our heart. If we can open our heart to that and have compassion for all those people, that's also a really skillful thing to do, mm-hmm. I think, because that compassion will then make us want to act the way we know we need to act. That compassion says, oh, there's another good reason for me to keep social distance. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's, in a nutshell, it's, it sounds like I'm, I'm trying to make it sound simple, but it isn't, of course, because to be mindful is, as we all know, not that easy yeah. <laughs> all the time. And so it's, but it's a practice. And so if you have any sort of regular mindfulness practice, um, the other thing I think we can do is consciously choose to practice more. Mm. Oh, look, I've got all this time in my hands now. I, I usually would spend socializing and doing this and doing that. Oh, I, I can actually have more time to practice. So maybe my practice, my daily practice gets a bit longer, or I do it twice a day instead of once a day, or however it works for you. But it gives us a, it's like, oh, let's make this, uh, this is an opportunity. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I Someone said something in a Dharma talk I was listening to a few days ago that really struck me. And he said, you know, there's the, the Chinese, you know, characters for crisis, which is what we're in, mm-hmm. is 
danger and opportunity joined together. Mm. So yeah, there's a lot of danger out there, but look, this is all, well, let's change this into an opportunity to deepen my practice. Yeah, I love that. It's uh, I was thinking about this the other day. It's kind of an odd paradox that now in my, how my life has shifted to being at home all day, every day and working from home. And I have more opportunity, like you say, to practice and deepen my practice. And somehow it feels harder to, it feels more difficult to even sit down as long as I was sitting when life was normal and I was busy. Somehow I find myself drinking from the fire hose of Corona news or, you know, mindlessly on Instagram or arguing with someone about how much we should social distance. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I love reframing it into an opportunity to deepen practice. And you, you, you spoke about compassion practice and I'll speak for myself personally. Um, metta, which is the poly word for loving kindness. And the, there's a practice associated with that style of practice. It seems to me like that, this could be a great opportunity to focus more on that style of practice um and to uh from what my understanding you might have some thoughts on this is the feeling of loving kindness and practicing that feeling is not sharing in the despair of those who are suffering and i I agree with you that i feel very fortunate that i'm able to work from home i feel financially stable i don't i'm not at particular risk of getting the disease i I feel very lucky that i have the opportunity to, to live the way i'm living right now and i I think that practicing loving kindness, practicing the mindset state of compassion and the willingness to help and offer support could be a really great thing right now. Do you have any thoughts on deepening that practice and how it, how a metta practice might relate to this moment? <laughs> Interesting you should ask that question because I um you know I I I am I'm a volunteer chaplain at the hospital mm. and obviously I'm not volunteering. They've shut down all. I haven't been to the hospital for a couple of weeks because, um, they've asked, you know, basically said no volunteers. I mean, now the hospital is now at the no visitors level, mm. let alone no, no wow. volunteers. Um, but, uh, the head chaplain there asked me to record uh, a couple of short meditations for that. The staff can use to listen to, cause I have been doing a little bit of teaching with the staff. Uh, at, at the hospital and the first thing that came to mind was uh, a sh- brief recording of a meta practice mm. as as a way to sort of tune into how we're feeling ourselves and also how we can feel that connection to something greater than ourselves mm. um, either to individuals or to um, the world you know, I mean, the last step in meta practice is meta practice for all beings, literally mm-hmm. all beings everywhere. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think meta would be a marvelous form of practice or it's an addition to your practice. I mean, maybe, you know, you do a little meta practice before you do your daily, you know, Vipassana practice, mindfulness practice or mm-hmm. something, you know. I go through periods when my whole practice is nothing but better for months at a time. Mm. So it's not like um, one is better than the other. It's just what we feel comfortable with. And I think meta might be quite a skillful thing. Um, I'm actually, uh, when I do that recording, I'll actually send you a, a link to it. Okay. So, so that you can spread that around to your 
your audience as well if you think that would be useful great yeah i'll link th- i'll link to that in the show notes of this episode so those who are interested can use your recording and that that would be really great well good well another thing that i've been noticing about myself um and i i suspect that this is a common feeling right now is dealing with attachments and i think that much of the difficulty that i'm having with this um transition and this change is i've just noticed myself feeling attached to how i thought things were supposed to go or how i wanted them to go so my girlfriend and i had been planning for about six months this trip to new york that we had to cancel we would have been leaving in a couple weeks here to go to new york and go on vacation and now you see photos of new york and it's completely shut down (laughs) not a vacation spot at the moment no (laughs) um and then even at a higher level i was you know i just noticed myself feeling attached to living in a thriving economy and having, you know, this blip in the economy scares me. And I, I wanted to just keep going as on as, as things were normal. Um, I've wanted to play basketball twice a week. I'm really missing that right now. So um, how do you think about that? Like, I guess just to sharpen up the question, how can a Buddhist perspective and or a meditation practice help with letting go of some of these attachments and just paying attention to what's happening instead. I don't want to sound repetitive, but I think the answer is the same. Mm. Be mindful that that's what's actually happening. That's Mm. the first step. Oh, here I am just wishing I could go play basketball. Uh, For me, it's to go to the gym. Uh, Because I go to the gym regularly for this, so it's the same sort of thing. It's like, oh, I need, I need to get some exercise. I need to, you know, and so, and also, I think part of it is like, well, I can't play basketball, but I can still go out for a big long walk. Yeah, you know, just shifting that um, desire, which is what what you're talking about there. I have a desire to things to be normal. I have a desire to do the things I like to do, and think, well, well, what else can I do? And that would satisfy, give me some of that same juice. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing a lot of walking. Just, you know, my wife and I, every day, I'm not yesterday because the weather was so crappy, but in general, <laughs> going out and doing a long walk every day, like an hour or so, just yeah. a brisk long, and just to keep the body moving and, and, and active. And we tend, when we, um, get caught in this sort of shift is certainly for being caught in those unpleasant un- unwholesome mind states to shut down and stop being physically active and i think being physically active is really important right now and whether that's you know going for long walks or maybe you have a yoga practice and you're used to going to you know some studio and doing your yoga practice now you do it at home yeah but just just do as much as you can you just have to sort of shift your perspective to do, well, how can I do this stuff I used to do with a bunch of other people? How can I keep getting that juice? How can I keep doing that, but do it on my own? Yeah. And finding ways to do that. Um, yeah. No, I think that's great advice and something I'm trying to follow. Yeah, I've been doing some at-home yoga online classes with my girlfriend, and um, I couldn't agree more that moving your body is crucial right now If 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 – and when I get into situations where I've been holed up for too long and I haven't moved physically, then um, that can have mental implications too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So the other thing that uh, I've been noticing is the concept that a meditation practice, a formal meditation practice, is an act of 
kindness towards others as much as it is a practice for yourself. I've always understood that intellectually. I've always understood the concept, but these days it really feels more concrete um, because I notice myself bringing in a situation where there's a lot of tension, stress, anxiety about what's going to come. Um, I it doesn't help to bring your own fears, agitation, anxiety to other people, right? And yep. I, I can feel myself when I'm just be, being a, um, when I'm not showing up in a skillful way around my girlfriend or when I call a loved one and I'm trying to persuade them to take some new action or adopt some new lifestyle and it's out of concern for them, but it can come off as very pushy. And I've noticed that one of my main motivations to sit in recent days has been, well, I have to, I should, you know, doing this will not only benefit me and make my mind feel more clear, but I will show up well for others. And it's felt very like an imperative thing to do right now during this self-quarantine. Um, do you want to expand on that concept anymore? Do you have any thoughts on meditation for others? I think, first of all, that's a very, what you just described is a very skillful way to approach it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mean, you have, you've, you've practiced long enough that you understand how important our practice is right now. I mean, so even, even more so than before, because yeah. it does allow us to, if, if we can become aware that we're caught in one of the three poisons, and then we go, oh, I don't need to go there, then I can react, interact with others at a distance, as you know, or with your partner, which is maybe not quite so much distance, um, in a much more skillful way. Yeah. And, and that's really important that we um, don't add to the anxiety and the fear and the anger that's going on out there. Uh, we that we if we're skillful if we have you know right speech and right action then we can actually be quite beneficial mm. to others in the world by um, keeping even if it's just in the sense of well being a bit light about this and being able to I mean, I've seen some really funny memes on Facebook that have just cracked me up <laughs> about this <laughs> you know it's just like you know, I just saw one this morning, for instance, that was like, um, we should all celebrate the fact that for the first time in, in our lives, we're, the best thing we can do is lie around and watch TV because this is good for everybody else. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting view of the thing, but it's true. You know, yeah. and so it's like keeping, you know, be not getting caught in the doom and gloom. Mm. Um, as you said, you know, we can read, get caught in sucking on the fire hose of bad news. Yeah. But if we can also sort of go, okay, I need to stay informed because I need to understand how how I'm reacting in the world and how I'm social distancing and um, you know how do I is it like I just went to the store a, a couple of stores yesterday to get stuff we needed like you know ink for my printer and that sort of stuff. So I just took a pair of um, I I wear uh, vinyl gloves when I do staining and stuff because I'm a woodworker. So I just took vinyl gloves and everything I touch everywhere I want to put on a pair of vinyl gloves before I went in the door hmm. so there's like just little things like that just like being like being careful yourself but also being considerate of others like oh, I'm not gonna and then I immediately of course threw the you know after I went into the store I threw the glove away hmm. right away so there was no you know just little things that you can do that if you sort of tune into 
how being mindful can be skillful. Um, because if you start paying attention at all as you go out into the world, because we all have to, we need food, we got to shop. I mean, there's our things we have to do. Yeah. Uh, and um, if we can just be really mindful as we're doing it, first of all, it's quite shocking how many different surfaces you might touch and people you might interact with doing something simple like two errands. Um, I, uh, a while, a couple of days ago, I actually consciously noted every time I interacted with another person or an object to do, I went to go to a, a store where I buy some glass for a job. I was doing fixing some windows and then I just went to a coffee shop. This is back when the coffee shops were still open to get a cup of coffee and a piece of lemon pound cake, which is one of my weaknesses. <laughs> 13 13 times I touched things or con touched people just doing those two simple things. Mm -hmm. And it was like, wow, look how, and this is like, just like normal life going out there doing stuff I got to do. And then I felt like a cup of coffee and, and it's like, oh, I have to really be conscious. And so now when I go out, I take all these gloves with me to make sure I don't have that so much physical contact with things and stuff that I shouldn't be touching. Mm -hmm. It's, but it's so we, it's like mindfulness allows us to connect in that way as well. It's like the pay to really pay attention makes us understand how susceptible we are to the virus just by going out into the world at all. We have to, so we have to be very conscious of that. And also how we can help not spread it by not going out there just in case we are infected and don't even know it. Cause now it's like, apparently you can be infected with this stuff and have, be three or four days before you even know it. And all that time you're spreading the virus. So, yeah. And people my age, especially are actually, there's actually more cases of people, healthy people in their twenties and thirties who are getting a, a bad case and they can, it seems as though you can get lasting damage from the virus if you get a yeah. bad case of it. But there's also other cases, like you're seeing some of the NBA players, who, which I follow the NBA, who are some of the best in the best physical shape of anybody in our population, who are getting it and have had it for a while now and are showing absolutely no symptoms. And so yeah. that's good news and bad news, because good news that people are getting it and are okay, but bad news, like you're saying, that someone like me could have it and not even know it. And then you're doing causing unknowingly causing harm with just negligence of spreading it to people um, who you're coming in contact with. So I love the fact that you're, you know, you're driving home the point. And I think people my age um, need this message more than any other group of people is that you, um, we have the potential to cause suffering to those who are more vulnerable. And so like you're saying, the mindfulness of just something simple like wearing gloves or reducing your trips to the grocery store from twice a week to once every 10 days just by careful planning, um, that can make a big difference in reducing suffering for others. Yep, yep, I agree completely. Okay, so another thing I've been thinking about, not sure if you have any thoughts on this, but I wanted to float it by you, is in a situation where many of us are hold up, we have plenty of time and we're isolated, not doing much, it seems like we could be at risk for more, we're more likely to run into the problem of addiction or craving um, different substances, whether it's alcohol or pot or TV or, or our phones or the news. I've noticed it in myself in that without my normal routine of waking up and having to meditate before work, 
then driving to work and then doing my lunch routine and then exercising after work and then doing my reading because all of that has been canceled and I have plenty of time to get my work done, plenty of time to meet my obligations. There's a lot of temptation to, um, to indulge in things like alcohol or pot or, um, just being on my phone for a long time and being, you know, getting the hits of the news or the notifications on Instagram. Um, do you have any thoughts on how to skillfully spend your time and to not fall victim to craving and addiction in that way? Okay. First of all, be very careful not to judge yourself. Okay. Most important. Yeah. Most important because I, I heard in your voice a lot of self-judgment. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I mean, I've been uh, sort of not binge watching, but every day I watch an episode of Orange is the New Black, which I'd never, I have never watched before. It's just like, mm-hmm. just sort of kicking back and in like, oh, I have this spare amount of time and isn't this great? And mm-hmm. let's, let's just sort of be gentle with ourselves a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's very important. And the other thing is, I mean, if you look at, um, oh, I have all this spare time. Um, for me, it seems like, oh, what a great time to study more. Mm. If, so, I mean, I mean, there's lots of forms of practice other than like we talk about physical practice, we talk about sitting practice, but also mental practice of, of study, mm. of, of reading and study and making notes and figuring things out. And, you know, that's it's a great time. Oh, look at all the spare time. I can have time to study more. Mm-hmm. It, it would be a skillful thing to do. And all, but most important is don't 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 judge yourself mm. okay. that's that's the most skillful thing you can do and um i'm i'm i i don't use pot and i my, my alcohol use is a, you know a beer with a meal once in a while mm. so i'm not i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna preach you shouldn't do those things mm. but just like don't don't you if you're doing those things to excess in any sense at all Try and be aware of why you're doing that, because excess in alcohol and drugs and other forms of addiction is a way to escape. I don't want to think about this stuff, so I'm going to blot myself, whether it's at at the end of the newsfeed hose or through excessive use of alcohol or getting high and staying high. Um, And I speak from experience and knowing what that's like, because I was high for about two years (laughs) way back in my youth. So I'm not like just being moralistic here. I I understand the temptation of it. Um, But it's not it's not useful. Yeah. Other than in 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 moderation, just like I said. So I watch an episode of Orange is the New Black every day. Big deal. Yeah. It's kind of enjoyable to sort of sort of give my give yourself a little re- relaxation and space and see something that's entertaining and enjoy yourself yeah that's okay too well that's probably advice that i need to take because it, yeah self-judgment might lead to a the reverse effect where yeah oh yeah the ebbs and flows of indulgence and then self-criticism and so um yeah i, I i'll try to heed that advice um so yeah, you mentioned studying and I, I once, one time we met for coffee and I asked you about how much I should be practicing per day to maintain practice off retreat. And you responded by saying, well, you know, you fit it into your life, but the more the better. But then you also asked me how service and studying fit into my picture of practice. And you just yeah. mentioned in the last question that um, studying is a form of practice. Could you 
elaborate on how important study is in um, to supplement a formal meditation practice and then maybe speak about or point to some useful resources for study that people might look into during this time if you have some extra time to read or or study sure Mm -hmm. um first of all i think study is um sort of i see study as one of the three legs of practice there's like formal sitting practice you know meditation practice retreat practice there's um living in the world practice like you know being conscious and being compassionate and, and you know choosing not to go out into the world and infect other people, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's like acting correctly in the world. And then study is sort of the third piece for me because I think study allows us to put what's arising in the mind into context. You know, as you study and the teachings, in my case, the teachings of the Buddha, but it, you can study lots of different things. I mean, you could read the Bible and be mm-hmm. a perfectly good thing to do, for instance, or the Quran or anything else you might want to study. Mm-hmm. Um, but study allows us, it gives us context so that as things are arising, we go, oh, that's what they were saying when I read blah, 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 or, or, or I listened to blah, blah, blah. Because study can take two forms. It can be through books, mm-hmm. and I can recommend a couple of books, especially for people who are beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's an gr- incredible resource called dharmaseed.org. Hmm. which has literally thousands and thousands of recorded talks mm-hmm. that you can listen to. So, you know, if listening to this this uh, podcast makes you think, oh, I'd like to do more listening like this, that's a, an incredible resource for Dharma teaching, hmm. is dharmaseed.org. And I highly recommend that. Um, there are also, there's lots of other places like that. Like if you go to the Inside Meditation Community of Colorado website, you'll see links to all kinds of people's, including my uh, links to my Dharma talks that are recorded, and there's hundreds of those from various teachers here in the just in the Boulder community, Boulder and Denver Front Range community. There's literally hundreds of talks you have access to right there, local teachers. Mm. Um, as far as books are concerned, there's two I would like to recommend is, uh, that are especially suitable for people who are beginning. Mm. Um, and you talked about um, metta, loving-kindness practice. Mm. By, by far the best book for that is a book called, what a surprise, Loving Kindness <laughs> mm. by Sharon Salzberg. Mm. Um, and it's from Shambhalic Classics. I know you can get it online everywhere. Um, Sharon is uh, one of the original teachers in the Insight community uh, was has, has been very involved in Insight Meditation Society in Barrie, Massachusetts. Um, is the, one of these people who's just like this wide open heart who just teaches from her heart and teaches very clearly not only the practice but the reasoning, the understanding behind why this is so skillful. So a wonderful book. I use it all the time when I teach Metta as a reference. Mm-hmm. Um, the other book I'd recommend is... Um, Insight Meditation, The Practice of Freedom by Joseph Goldstein. Hmm. Um, this is a, something he wrote back in, I think, the 80s or maybe early 90s. So this is, this is a bit older than some of the, his more recent work, but it's a really good beginner's manual to insight meditation. Hmm. He expl- once again explains not only the practice, the form of the practice, but also then explains 
uh, a lot about how our reactions that that arise as we're practicing and how to work skillfully with them. So uh, those are the two basic books I'd recommend for people. Um, nice. Other than, go yeah, ahead. Sorry. So those, there's three different places people can go to that I would highly recommend. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. I'm going to check out those books as well. I think reading that um, the book on metta meditation would be really useful right now for me specifically. Um, so beyond that, so many of my listeners are, so as you, I think you've listened to some of my podcasts. I'm, I'm trying to blend what I know about and what I'm interested in, which is sports and mental training and meditation and just picking up on whatever topic seems to interest, interest me from the overlaps between them. So many of my listeners are athletes and coaches um, and some of them have their own sustained meditation practice, but I, I know that some of them have either tried it um, and haven't made it consistent or haven't developed a, a consistent mindfulness practice. So beyond those resources um, for study, how would you suggest that someone develop or begin a practice at a time like this right now? Is there a, a specific length of time that you suggest for a beginner do you suggest that they use an app or go from a book and sit with unguided meditations? Is there anything that you'd like to suggest for someone who would like, who would be interested in developing a practice now? Right. So first of all, most important, keep it simple. Hmm. Don't, don't like, you know, say, okay, I'm going to meditate every day now and I'm going to meditate for an hour. Yeah. Start with, start with 10 minutes. Hmm. See how that is and give that a, a week. And oh, that seems fine now maybe i'll do 20 minutes you know sort of gradually build it up so don't set yourself up to fail yeah number one number two trying it really it's really helpful if you pick a particular time of day and always try and meditate at the same time mm. because that regular it's sort of like you know your mind has is, is you know, we're habitual creatures, so that you get to that time of the day, whether it's first thing in the morning, like you and I do, or some people prefer before lunch or whatever. It doesn't matter when, mm. uh, but pick a time that suits your nature and habits, and then always try and practice at that time. Okay. Because yeah. the regularity of time is really skillful and it helps you get into the rhythm of things. Mm. Third thing is. If you miss, and you're going to miss, don't beat yourself up and say, oh, I give up. Just right. start again. Just start again. Right. Okay, I missed yesterday. I'm going to start again today. And, you know, I've been practicing meditation for 40-odd years. And the number of times I've started again, you know, if you gave me a dollar for every one time I started again, I'd be a rich man probably. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like just. It's, it's it's that don't beat yourself up thing I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Don't self-judge and go, oh, that's not for me. It's no good. It's too hard, blah, blah, blah. Just start again. Yeah. That's And you also mentioned apps. Yeah. I'm very unhip <laughs> in that I don't know of or ever use any apps at all. Yeah. I don't even have a cell phone, so apps are cell phones sort of thing. So, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not capable of even commenting on on apps in terms of what they should use or not use it's just you know it, i don't i don't use them so i uh, but i don't know anything about them so i'm not qualified to even talk about them okay um sorry about that but. no no worries i know that um well I, I 
to do a mixture of guided and unguided. I, I follow the Sam Harris app, and he's worked with Joseph Goldstein. Um, I know that Joseph Goldstein is actually featured on the 10% Happier app, and that's another option. And I should also point out here, I think I'll mention this in the intro, just some resources, but some of these apps are giving um, free content to people during this time. And I know that the Sam Harris app right. that I use, he is offering it to anyone who can't afford it for free for a year. And that's his general policy. So for anyone who wants to have a little bit of assistance starting a practice, that um, might be a good option. And if you, uh, whether or not you can afford it, you can always um, have it for a year during this in, in starting a practice this time is, is, is an option. I want to come back to what you said about um, starting again, because that's been kind of a theme for me in the last six months or so. And I think it might have actually sparked, been that concept might have been driven home on one of the retreats that I sat with you. Because as you may have, you've already pointed out multiple times in this conversation, um, I have a tendency to make, I think I have a tendency to make perfection the enemy of the good. And uh-huh. I think that um, starting again, there's so many layers to that. It can It can mean, okay, you missed two days of meditation so like you said, rather than throwing in the towel altogether and beating yourself up and, and having the self-doubt the self-doubt creep in of, oh, I just it's not for me, meditation's too hard, I can't make it happen. Just to decide, okay, well, no matter what the last three days have been like, I can sit today and be right back on the path. And that's actually kind of a freeing feeling. And then even at a more granular yeah. level, yeah, during absolutely. during a meditation if you if your mind has been lost for five minutes about whatever it is right now, it may it might be about the implications of the coronavirus, rather than thinking, oh well, this this sitting's a waste. I can't stay focused. Just the the willingness to start over and start again. And think, okay, I'm, you know, my mind's been gone for however long, but I have the opportunity right now to begin my practice again, and I can connect clearly with this next breath fully, and that, and I'm back on the path. Um, so exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I have nothing to add to what you just said because it's perfect. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I encourage, especially, and I, I work with athletes, right? So I think that in the West and in athletes specifically with athletes specifically there, I've noticed that being an athlete and trying to meditate is a blessing and a curse because athletes understand what it's like to commit to something difficult over the long term and they know what skill development means and sacrifice means so they're often blessed in the way that they can sit and have the discipline to to start a practice but i think that many of us are cursed in that we might be caught up in that self-judgment and because meditation is not as tangible as making free throws or increasing your bench press or whatever it could be hard for many athletes to to stick with it because it can be frustrating and the, the self-doubt and, and judgment can come in. So um, for those who are trying to start a practice or deepen a practice during this time, I think what you're saying here is really pertinent and that you want to bathe in self-compassion and just be willing to start over again and again, whether that's getting back on the cushion again today or in the middle of a sit um, coming back to whatever your object of focus is without judgment. And I, uh, I certainly need to take some of that on my own advice in that regard. Yeah, it's, it's certainly, I mean, my, my sense of, of athletes, especially athletes at higher levels mm. is they, 
they must be perfectionists in some way to be as good as they are. Yeah. And so th- th- there's that habit of wanting everything, wanting to be perfect at everything you do. Yeah. And meditation is not about being perfect. In fact, it's just about being right now in the moment. This is where things are, and mm-hmm. and and that's and being able to say, well, I'm not being particularly perfect right now, and and that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. That's that 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 sort of the key phrase I keep coming back to in my own practice over and over and over again is whatever is arising that's okay mm. and not judging I know we've beaten this to death at this point so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay um, well, let's let's uh, this has been great what is there anything else that you'd like to say um, at the end of this podcast I remember you had prepared some notes is there anything you'd like to yeah. end with well there's, no, there's only one other thing I'd like to do and that's um, one thing we haven't I haven't mentioned is I think um, poetry is a very powerful uh, tool sometimes in Dharma practice if you want to study maybe you find good poetry books to study it might be a very skillful thing to do I'm going to suggest one and actually read a poem from this particular book, mm. uh, but it's a wonderful book that I use all the time in teaching, but also just I read things and I go, oh yeah, it sort of reminds me of things. So this, uh, this is book, its book is called Go In and In by Dana Falds. That's F-A-U-L-D-S is her last name, Dana, D-A-N-N-A, Falds. <laughs> Go In and In. It's a, just an incredible book of poetry. Um, and I wanted just to read uh, a poem here that uh, I think is a good way to sum up and end this conversation. Great. This poem is called Remember This. Vast and changeless, the ground of being is not rocked by ripples on the pond. The firmament from which we spring, the divinity at the heart of things doesn't wax or wane with mind states or wither in the wind. We come from stronger stuff than feelings. Essence does not fail or fade, diminish or trade reality for illusion. We are wordless, wide, and wise beyond time. Within us is a flame of truth that never dies. Let that be the focal point of life. Let that be the light that guides us from the shadows. That was great. Thank you for doing that. Well, so just thank you for including me in your podcast series. I really appreciate this. Mm. And yeah, yeah, I've uh, had a good I've had a good time. I hope you've had a good time too. It's been really great talking to you, Barry, and thank you so much for coming on. I um and thank you for all of the great teachings that you're spreading. It's been really a pleasure sitting at retreats with you and um I'm looking forward to the rest and maybe the next time Hopefully the next podcast, we can do it in person, maybe in your beautiful backyard, and we don't have to practice uh, social distancing anymore. So we can hope for that. Sounds great to me. Okay. Thank you, Barry. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please consider subscribing to my newsletter, Sunday Sauce. Every Sunday, I'll send out a small piece of content that's related to the topics I'm researching and exploring on this podcast. It could be a quote or an image or a short video or a piece of my own writing. Just something small and digestible that I think is worth looking at. I'll also announce when new content comes out, so it's really the best way to stay up to date with what I'm doing. To subscribe, you can visit billyhansen.net forward slash sauce. 
You can also follow me on Instagram or Twitter, and those links are in the show notes. Other ways to support the show include leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, sharing with friends and family, or posting on social media. Thank you for listening and for your support. It's a sauce.